I want you to take your Bibles right now, go to Psalm 24 or the 24th Psalm. Thank you, Coach, and I'm sorry for not getting my own water, but man, oh man. Mm. <clears throat> so, Psalm 24, verse 1, and uh, in just a moment we're going <clears> to <throat> read. This will be our last s- sermon in the series on conquering fear. I uh, thought I was going to do a biographical on several people within Scripture who um, responded to fear rather than faith, and I uh, just don't feel so led to do that, um, so I'm wrapping up the series with this message today. Um, I've titled it, Washing Away, The Washing Away of Fear, and it uh, <laughs> seems appropriate today with uh, all the rain we've been getting in the last two days, but... And, and in the last week. But I want to talk about washing away of fear and dealing with fear at its core. And what I think it's going to take for us to be able to get through these very unprecedented times that we're living in, in our, in our country, in our world, and in our lives. And it seems like a perfect storm of all kinds of things that I'm going to mention here in just a moment have come together to attack our way of life. And it's caused a lot of concern, a lot of fear, a lot of doubting, a lot of not knowing. I mean, for us as a church, to be honest with you, one of the ways we've been impacted, which we've been impacted many, many ways, but one of the ways is that, you know, it's just hard to plan anything. It's hard to... To, to plan anything for your church as, you know, as something we're looking forward to, something we're wanting to do. Um, <clears throat> and some of the things that we've done for years we haven't been able to do, like Panther Sunday or School Spirit Sunday, as we started calling it last year, um, we would have had it by now. It would have been uh, last Sunday would have been it. So um, it's hard to get those things going. And... Um, so God's just laid something heavy on my heart today, and I want to share that with you. So if you will, take your Bibles and let's stand together. The 24th Psalm, we all know the 23rd Psalm, but very few people know the 24th Psalm. And I want to read verses 1 through 10, the entire Psalm for you. <clears throat> and it says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Now just stop and think about that portion of verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, including the world and all who live in it. Do you think that everything that's going on in the world has caught God by surprise? Absolutely not. So that in and of itself, that statement that we just read, that truth from God's Word should set everything anew for us, should, should, should put everything into perspective and into focus and should lay the foundation for anything that happens in this world. It doesn't get past God. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in your life. He understands the fear and the consternation and the issues that we have. He knows it. It belongs to him, even though the Bible says 
that Satan is the prince of the power of the air and he is the ruler of this world in that realm, God ultimately is the creator and will have final authority. He says here in verse 2, For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Now listen. Let me say this to you. I saw this week a generation of younger people who are accosting older people who are leaving a political speech. And the words they were using to these older people in our generation and the sign language they were using and getting in their face was disgusting to me. It really was. And there is a group or a part in this generation that have lost all control, all morality, all hope. As a matter of fact, there is one that hit a police officer in the head with a baseball bat. And while he was doing that, he was wearing a shirt that says, love is the answer. You talk about messed up and confused. But I say that to say this. But the Bible tells us there's also another group in this generation. Another group in this generation. Verse 6. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, the God of Jacob. They will receive in verse 5 the blessing from the Lord and vindication from their Savior. There is a group in this generation, who love the Lord Jesus Christ, who have not bowed the knee to idols, who are living for Him, who are coming on Wednesday night to Bible study, who are, who are, are witnessing to their friends, who are sharing their faith, who are basing their life on the truth of God's Word and not the lie of man. So keep it all in perspective. Verse 7, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is He? This King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the 24th Psalm, the Psalm of David. That he would remind us who the king is. That he would remind us about clean hands and clean hearts and clean mouths. That, Father, your word gives us the answer. Thank you that your word helps us to see what the news media will never show us. The king of glory is in charge of it all. And he will have the last say. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. You may be seated. So today, there are many things to fear.
today. And I, I just made a short list of things that are in our generation today that are happening in our society. So put that slide up, guys. Many things to fear today. Um, and and I, just, I just put some of these things down. There, there are millions of things. If my dad were here, my dad would say it like this. He's afraid of four or five things in his life. He's afraid of Bigfoot, God, my mom, and snakes. Not necessarily in that order. Okay, so you can have your own list, okay, but these are just a few things that stick out to me as to what's going on in current society today. We've got the invisible virus. We, you know, that's got some people just scared out of their minds. I'm looking across the building today, and I see people who were at one time tested, who at one time tested positive for COVID-19, and most of them didn't have very many symptoms. Some had mild symptoms. Some had, you know, a little bit less than the flu kind of symptoms, and it didn't last long. Uh, we have one in particular who's here today who really had a rough time, and she had pneumonia, but she beat it, right? And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, there's an invisible virus, and we all, all we ever hear is the negative about it. We never hear the positive. What we don't hear is we don't hear how many people do overcome it. And that it's not as terrible as they're saying. What we don't hear is that, you know, 60 million people in 2009 were infected with H1N1. And a bunch of people died from that. So we're, we're not given perspective. So there are a lot of things that cause us fear today. There's all this social unrest going on um, over, you know, uh, um, what some perceive to be police overreach or brutality. Um, there's racism of all kinds going on there is the lying media that you can't trust i mean you can you almost can't trust any of it nowadays to give you the truth it's all going to have a slant to it then there's the economic turmoil that has resulted through all of this and then you got riots going on and you wonder man are they going to come and destroy our homes our businesses are they going to try to come and do that to our community and our schools and think about it how many of you to ever how many of you have never heard of kenosha wisconsin before how many of you most of us haven't okay and they're kind of like a suburb of milwaukee and that area but about you know the size of gainesville you know and if it can happen there things like that, it can happen here. So there are many, many, many things that we can be fearful of. You know, a prominent athlete said this week that uh, because of the color of his skin, that every time he walks out the doors, he's, he's afraid. Then I've heard other people who have the same color skin as him say that they've never once felt fearful when they walk out the door. So what is the truth? Where does it lie? What's going on? It's so confusing. Well, obviously the answer to that is the King of glory, Jesus Christ. I've always said it. I'll say it again because it's true. And I'll, I'll continue to say it. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter what you may have been taught about other people that, you know, don't look like you, that don't have your societal viewpoints, that don't have your culture or what have you. It doesn't matter. The moment you give your heart to Jesus Christ, your spiritual DNA changes. And you view people through the eyes of Jesus, period. Jesus is the answer for the mess in the world. We know that. 
But what about us? What about you and me? How do we navigate this minefield? How do we continue to go on each and every day? What are the things that we really need to be concerned about in our lives? Should we now take on a new mantle and start focusing on things that we never focused on before in our lives or as a church? Well, I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that it starts within every individual person, according to Scripture. All right? Here it is. I want to give you three things today about washing away fear in your lives. First of all, it has to start with clean hearts. It has to start within us, and our hearts have to be clean. I'm talking, first of all, to Christians right now. Those of you who've given your hearts to Jesus Christ, you and I do not have the ungodly luxury of having a dirty heart now that we have Jesus Christ in us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives within us, and He convicts us of sin. And now we live different. It's amazing because the day I gave my heart to Christ, the day I gave my heart to Christ is the day that the Holy Spirit came to live within me. And it's the day that I began to get truly convicted of sin. Before, I may have felt guilt about getting caught or maybe even hurting someone in the process of doing my evil deed. But after I got saved, it wasn't about that. It was now about the fact that I was offending God and now that God expected something different from me and now that the Holy Spirit lived within me there are certain things I couldn't feed my soul anymore because I'm a new person in Jesus Christ and it requires a clean heart now clean hearts has to do with what we think the things we think the things we bring into our spirits all right look with me in the 24th Psalm we looked at verses 4 and 5 here it is it says here, who can ascend, who can do these things? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. I'm talking, again, to people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. It matters what is going on on the inside of you. It matters. It matters the music you listen to, the lyrics you take in. It matters what you think about women and other people based on what you listen to. It matters the things that we watch through media. It matters. Because the Bible says that what violates a man is what comes out of him what, because it, it was poured into him. You know, the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. Clean hearts. We need to have clean hearts. Look at what Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 through 25 say. The Bible says here, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to Him. That's how we draw near to Him. With a sincere heart. And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. But notice what else it says. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And then it goes on, and it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's what this message is about today. It's, it's considering one another 
one another uh, so that we can spur each other in a godly way to think about things that the world isn't telling us to think about, to think about things that we as Christians should think about so that we can be the people God's called us to be. Not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to have clean hearts, the Bible says. Look at what Matthew 5, 27 through 30 says. I, I can give you a million scriptures on this, or so it seems, but look at what Jesus said here. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It matters what we think. It matters what's inside here. It matters what we're watching. It matters what we're taking in. It really does. And people say, well, you know, Pastor, there is no link to violent video games and, and, um, you know, and violence. And it, yeah, just because somebody's, somebody is playing violent video games hours at a time every day doesn't mean they're going to go kill a whole bunch of people. But what it does mean is that it comes within your heart, and for some reason or another, it, 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 it hardens you to some extent toward real people and toward what people are going through. It's the same way with pornography and the things that are going on in today's world. I mean, there was a study that about 75% of evangelical Christian men consume pornography on a regular basis throughout the week. Now you say, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you this. We're fearful of all these things that we can't control, but let me tell you something. We better get serious about the things we do control. And we control what we bring into our minds and hearts. We control what we see. We control what we feed on. We control what we eat and what we consume. And we have to do a better job of that in our lives. And we need to think like God thinks. we got to have clean hearts. I can't get up here and be a pastor if my heart is not clean during the week. I'm not saying I'm perfect. And I have my times where filth wants to get into my mind and where a bad thought wants to get into my mind and where I let my emotions maybe be, uh, rule me for a moment and respond in an ugly way or something of that nature. I let my flesh get in the way when I start seeing all these things that I listed that may cause some fear in our lives and I want to respond and react and yell and scream and holler and throw things at the TV and all of that. Yes, we all have those moments. But in general, the Bible teaches us that what we ought to seek for is to have hearts that are clean and pure. And we ought to recognize that those attitudes are wrong. Those, that spirit is wrong. You know, when I walk out on the street and I go out into the world and go live my life, I don't look at people as the white community or the black community or the Hispanic community. I just see people who are trying to eat and who are trying to work and provide for their families that's what matters in this life and we need and you can only see that when you have a clean heart and you have God's heart for you you don't see it you don't see that other stuff you say oh, you don't see color I see people they look yes we people have skin, different skin pigmentations yes they might have different cultures yes yes they have different belief systems but they're still people and Jesus died for the world the Bible says 
And so I have to have a clean heart when I go out into the world. I don't know about you, but one of the, one of the things that all this mess that's happening in our country has caused me to do, has caused me to be a lot kinder and a lot more conscious of, of, of people who work at McDonald's, who work in a convenience store, who are not making a lot of money, and who are struggling, and who try as hard as they can. And you know what? I thank them with a thankful heart. Hey, thank you for working today. Thank you for doing a good job. Appreciate that. And I tell you, out of all of that, I've, I've got one, and I'm not going to tell you where she's at. She don't work at McDonald's, I will say that. She works at a different restaurant in Gainesville, in a drive through she won't even look at me in the eye. So I've been making myself go there more lately so I can see her. She works during the day, during the week. And usually once a week, I'm, I try to go to that spot. She won't look at me in the eye. Hey, honey, how are you doing? And she's thinking, oh, here comes this old white guy with, the, with this beard, gray beard. He's a racist. I bet you that's what he is. I don't know. Maybe that's what she's thinking. I don't know. Maybe she's not. Maybe she's just having a bad day and she don't like anybody. I don't know. But the question is, how am I going to treat her? Now, hey, thank you for what you do. Mm-hmm. Here's your money. I hope you have a nice day. Yeah, you too, sir. Yeah. And I don't know what's going on in her life and in her heart. But I want to operate from a clean heart. And I can only do that if I think the right way. And the only way I can think the right way is to have God's Word as my, my founding document. It's what I live by. And King David reminded us of that. He says, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek Him who seek your face, the God of Jacob. God knows. He knows. And somebody may impugn your motive, but God knows. So you want to wash some fear away? Start within. Start dealing with the heart. Let God clean your heart. Number two, washing away of fear. We need to have clean hands. See, clean hands speaks of what we do. What we do. Um, you know, the clean hearts, what we think. The clean hands, what we do. That was always the concept in the Old Testament, that you were to come to God with clean hands, not having blood on your hands. And Ezekiel talks about the blood on your hands when you don't warn the sinner and the evildoer of their way. And if they die without you telling them and they die without God, their blood is on your hands. But if you tell them and they choose not to follow and they go on and do their own thing and they die without Christ, without God, their blood is on their hands. It's what you do. Look at what Psalm 18 tells us. Psalm 18, verses 20 through 24. It says here, The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands, He has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways 
of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. All His laws are before me. I have not turned away from His decrees. I have been blameless before Him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in His sight. Now, the thing you've got to keep in mind is that this is King David coming from an old covenant point of view. He didn't fully understand what it meant to be washed in the blood of Christ. But we know this to mean our righteousness is as filthy rags before God, but our righteousness comes from what God has given us in Him through Christ, okay? Now, what I do with that has to do with my hands. My hands dirty or clean. I've got Christ living within me. I'm a Christian. I've given my heart to Him. He's fundamentally changed me from the inside out. And now I'm living for Him. Now what am I going to do with that? And he says, according to the cleanness of my hands, He has rewarded me. So it's what we do what God's done within us what are we doing with it are we serving somebody are we helping them we don't have to agree with them I don't have to like everything they say uh, I have a lot of disagreements with what's going on in today's world I, but I thought I saw a video this week of a bunch of young people let me give you advice. If you go eat anywhere, particularly in the Gainesville area, sit inside. Don't sit outside. Because these anarchists and whoever they are who come around and attack normal people who are trying to eat, and they actually bully them. And this one young woman was trying to eat, and they were on top of her. And they were wanting her to do the raised fist to represent the organization Black Lives Matter. Not the concept of Black Lives Matter, but the organization, which are two different things. And she was just sitting there eating, and she wouldn't do it. And it's a mob. And as a matter of fact, it was a bunch of white people, just to be honest with you that were on top of her, wanting her. And basically, you bend the knee to what we're telling you. Or we are going to do whatever. You know what that young lady did? She didn't capitulate. She didn't capitulate. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if I could have handled it like she would have. Somebody would have got a hamburger in their face. And you say, preacher, you're preaching about a clean heart and clean hands. I, I, and what you do, that's right. My hands would have been dirty with ketchup, I'll tell you. Yeah. I don't believe you have a right to get in people's face like that. But, but nonetheless, how we deal with things like that. And how we deal with it going forward. 
You might have an opinion about something, but I'll tell you, you'll never win me over by doing those kinds of things. What you do matters and how you do it. It's not just what you believe, but it's what you do also and how you do it. There's a right way and a wrong way. There's the world's way and there's God's way. And King David had an opportunity to do it the world's way. He had an opportunity to do it the way of pride when he was a young man and God ordained him to be the next king of Israel. There was only one problem. There was already a king and the king was in place. But God has taken, had taken his hand off of King Saul and he had placed a mantle on King David, but yet he had not lifted David up to the position of king. And two different times, King Saul, who was pursuing David and trying to kill him because he knew that David was a threat to him in his own mind because he knew that God had taken his hand off of him and put it on David. But David said he would not even lift his hand against God's anointed King Saul. Even though Saul was, was uh, disobedient to God, David knew there was a time and a place and a right way to do it. And David wanted to keep his hands clean and what he did clean. And as a matter of fact, he had Saul in his grips twice where he could have killed him. One time, I believe it's when Saul was sleeping, and he went in and he cut a piece of Saul's garment in a cave where he could have killed him right there, but he chose not to do it. There's another time when Saul was using the bathroom, and David could have gotten him. But David said, I refuse to lift my hand against God's anointed. He kept his hands clean until God was ready to raise him to a place of leadership. It matters what we do and how we do it. Well, number three, the washing away of fear. So, you know, clean, get your hands clean, but number three, we need to have some clean mouths. I have never in my life lived and heard and seen such filth. And the reason, partly the reason, is that I'm on social media. It's not uncommon to be scrolling through Facebook. And you know how when you get on Facebook and you, you maybe there's a video you want to see of somebody. Maybe Pastor Corey... Uh, put a video of deer who were getting in line last night to come to church in the backyard. No, they were actually showing up because I put a little bit of corn for them out there. And they came out to eat. And I put that little video. But if you notice, if you go on that video, you watch a video, and you start scrolling down, there, there might be like videos and other kinds, and some by me and some other people. And all of a sudden, you get into other, other stuff. And maybe before you know it, you're scrolling through stuff, and all of a sudden, boom, the F word comes out in your house. And, I mean, I'm, I'm scrolling through something on Saturday, and boom, you hear something from something, and Penny goes, what? I said, that wasn't me. She goes, turn that off. Yeah, I'm trying to. filth you know it doesn't take 
a whole lot of brain cells to use a bunch of four-letter words. It really doesn't. I want you to see something here. I want to end with a bang. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Listen to this. This is the prophet of God. And I'll let him describe it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and uh, with, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Notice Isaiah's response. His response wasn't, I'm going to put this on Facebook. No, here's his response. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I'm undone, in some versions of the Bible it says. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. What is the first thing that Isaiah references when he, the first thing that he says when he sees God high and lifted up and he sees these creatures with six wings, these seraphim doing all kinds of stuff, hiding their face and their feet and then flying with the others and saying three times, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty to emphasize the perfection of God in saying holy three times. What's the first thing that Isaiah says? He doesn't say, awesome! He doesn't go, look at that man, look at me. He doesn't take a selfie and go, check this out. The first thing that he does is he collapses and the first thing that he thinks of is what comes out of his mouth. He feels so dirty. That's what he experiences right there. When he's in the very presence of God, he realizes how filthy of a man he is, even though he's the prophet of God. And he says, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of people who have unclean lips. Why? Because of what we said at the very beginning, because our hearts are unclean. And what comes out of the mouth starts in the heart. And I'm guilty. Oh, and clean mouths have to do with what we say, by the way. Duh. But just to stay consistent, what we say, how we say it. Mm. Now, there's a long passage of Scripture, but follow me here. James 3, 1 through 12, I'm wanting to let the Scripture speak. I may not read the whole passage, but it's just very powerful. James 3, beginning in verse 1, says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. 
When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal around. Now, you've got to put yourself in the context of when this was written. They didn't have the combustible engine. They didn't have any of that. So a horse was a bit, the, one of the most powerful things they had at their disposal. Man, you could turn a, an animal like that around. Or take ships, as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds. Notice, not an engine, but winds. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. Wherever he wants to go. So this small bit in the mouth of a horse, a small rudder. Likewise, the tongue, our mouth, is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. And then he goes on to talk about it all. He says here in verse 9, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The tongue, the mouth can set a forest on fire just like a little spark. You notice the drama that is created by just a little bit of this yakety yakety yak friends are separated forever families are destroyed people's reputations are ruined yakety yakety yak talk 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 it's disgusting to God We want to look at our society and we want to point the finger at all of them. And listen, and we have a biblical responsibility to point out what's right and to point out what's wrong. We, we can do that. Without judgment, we can do that from the Word of God. And we can say, here's what God's Word says. Thus saith the Lord. Now, we implore you to come to Christ and He'll heal you and change you. But, but we, we, can, we can do that. But the hypocrisy of us doing that for others, but we're not going to apply the same standard for us as Christians, which our standard is much higher because we are children of God now. And we should make sure that we have clean mouths. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to you and me. I'm preaching with you because... I'm as convicted about this in my personal life as anything. Over the years, I've probably let words slip into my vocabulary that once were gone, I thought forever. There's certain vocations, certain things, certain places you go that there's just a language. That's used. And certain words become part of it. 
<laughs> particularly on a football sideline or at a football practice, among, even among Christian coaches. And I've tried to defend that from time to time to my wife. She was never having any of it. You know, the word derriere, you know, is said with a certain force in a football culture that there's a reason for it. Gets the job done, right? I'm not judging anybody who, who uses that in that way. But I know for me, I'll never forget one time. I wanted to whip there, you know what. <laughs> but for me as a pastor, as a Christian, I know what the standard is. And I know what God expects of me. And I need to clean my mouth up from time to time. Even though it may not be a curse word, the suggestion of a certain thing. See, I think fear reveals our unholiness. Fear reveals that we're not trusting God like we ought to. It does. And so I think, according to God's Word, that one of the ways that fear can be washed away, and we read it in the Psalms, is through a clean heart. It's through clean hands. It's through a clean mouth. You know, Danny Lanier, who used to come here years ago, was an evangelist. He's a pastor now at North Crest Baptist in Meridian, Mississippi. And he taught me something years ago. I've never forgotten it. It's real simple. Three things that cannot be defeated. Three things. It helped me immensely through difficult times in my life. Three things. Number one, prayer. They can lock you up, put you in chains, put you in stocks and chains. They can't stop you from praying. They can cut your tongue out. They can't stop you from praying. You can still pray. So prayer cannot be defeated. Love. They can hate you with everything that they have. But that doesn't necessarily put into gear hate in you. They can hate you, but you can still love them back. The Bible says it's like heaping coals of fire upon their head. I mean, they don't know what to do with that. Love. Fear and love. Love is undefeated. Biblical love. Okay? But there's a third thing that he taught me and that he said, and I've, I've tried to put it into practice. I haven't always succeeded. haven't always succeeded in all three of these, but, but those are the standards because they're biblical. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. The third thing is silence. Silence. 
Today they're telling us in some ways that silence means that you agree with certain things that are being done. No, silence right now means that I probably can't say it with the right spirit or in the right way nor with the right words. And so the thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pray about it and I'm going to ask God to give me direction and I'm going to keep living my life and trying to make a difference that way. I don't have to speak on every issue. Silence. They can't claim you said something when you didn't say it. They can try to claim it, but you know you didn't. And guess what? There's no fear. There's not fear. That, oh, I wonder if they're going to remember what I said here. Or if they're going to bring up what I said there. Or if they're going to bring up that. Or they're going to bring this up. If you didn't say it, you didn't say it. And they can't bring it back up. They can lie, but they can't bring it up. And that has to do with a clean mouth. And it comes from a clean heart. One last thing, Ephesians 4.29, one last scripture. Do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Good golly. Let's just... Anybody else guilty of that? I'm guilty. I'm guilty of not doing that. I'm guilty of letting unwholesome talk come out of my mouth sometimes. When I should be trying to build someone up, instead I'm tearing them down in my heart to make myself feel better about myself. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So when, when, that's, when that's not possible to do that, then it's silence. Silence. What we say matters. Clean hearts. What we think. Clean hands. What we do. Clean mouths. What we say important it's important how we say it when we say it and if we should say it at all have you ever been with somebody a family member maybe or a close friend that you so disagreed with so disagreed with but because you love them so much, there's nothing more to say. Right? All you can do is just love them. And just love them through it. So these are ways that I have learned to be able to conquer fear in my life. And... Man, we've got to allow fear to be washed away through the cleansing that God brings. See, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm sure about those of you who are Christians, but I'm not 100% sure if you're experiencing this all the time. But in the midst of all this chaos, and in the midst of the shutdown of our country, and in the midst of 
you know, not us not being able to go anywhere, hardly do anything. There a long time we couldn't go eat out of a restaurant. You can't go to a ball game. You couldn't go to a concert. You couldn't go hardly anywhere. You couldn't almost do anything for a long time. And some people didn't know what to do with their lives when it came to that. But I just want you to know that that as time goes on, man, as you walk with the Lord and as you allow God to cleanse your heart and keep your heart clean and pure and you grow in that area, you always got something to live for. And you've always got a reason to get up in the morning and go out. As a matter of fact, this and all that's going on in our world has given me more, t- more opportunity now. More opportunity. I've texted a few brothers in the past, recent past, back in June and all of that, to say to them, hey man, I just want you to know what all that's going on I love you. I know we look different and the world says we should be different. But we're Christians and I love you, man. Same response I get back. Love you too, Pastor. Appreciate you so much. But most of the time I don't feel like I need to say it. Because I think that if you just go live it, it says it for you. It says it for you. So today, here's the invitation. Here it is. It's not about somebody else. It's not necessarily about what's going on in our country. It's not necessarily about what you disagree with or don't like about this or that. It's about you and God. Where is your heart? What are you doing? What are you saying? I think we can all use a bath and a cleansing. Let's pray together, everybody. Heavenly Father, thank you for the clarity of your word. And thank you for the loving kindness of your son Jesus who gave his life for us and who forgives us 70 times 7. Help us to be like the man who came to the altar and said, and beat his chest and said, God, I am a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. As opposed to the Pharisee who came to the altar and thanked God that he wasn't like other men. Help us to be like that humble man. God, please clean us from the inside out. We want to live clean and pure lives before you. One of the hardest messages I've ever preached God because I got so much to correct in my life and I pray in Christ's name amen would you all stand with me and uh, let the Lord be your guide in this invitation today the altar is open to you